Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 243 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Michelle Vecchio. Michelle lives in Langley, British Columbia, which is in Canada, and she is an accounts receivable manager. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Jen. I'm so glad to talk to you today. I'm a little tired. It's July 5th, so we were up late having July 4th celebrations. Just Can I just tell you how much fun it was at the beach? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I've never seen so many fireworks like all around us. At one time, they were going horizontal. I'm like, okay, I got to get safe because people were, I don't know if it's the safest place to be on, it, but it was really a lot of fun, but I'm a little tired. So <laughs> hopefully I'll be coherent. <laughs> Just relax, Jen. It's just like talking to a friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That helps a lot. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? 
Right. So, well, I'm 53. So I guess it's a story about, you know, 53 years of trying to be good and thin. And, and yeah, that's just, it's never worked being good and being thin. So when did it start? Like, do you remember as a child struggling with your weight? When did the weight struggle start? Yeah, not until I don't even call them a struggle, except I do remember dieting really hard for my wedding. So I've been married 30 years. So I was 22 when I got married. And I remember dieting really, really hard. I was doing the what was it fit for life It was called the what are you where you have to eat things in different sections, you know, you can't have salad and then eat meat afterwards because your body needs to digest things in layers or some crazy thing. So I remember that my stepmother was reading that one and like you weren't allowed to eat fruit with anything else, right? That's right. Yeah. Because fruit digests real fast and other things digest slowly and then it's going to get blocked in your stomach or some crazy <laughs> thing. doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But it, you probably lost a lot of weight. I did. Yeah. So I was the thinnest I've ever been on my wedding day. But I had no muscle at that point. And then I became, not long after that, I started working for a company and, and they were all runners and iron man, iron women athletes. So I started running and that was over 30 years ago now. So I've been a runner and, and an athlete kind of all of my adult life. So I never really had to worry too, too much about what I ate because I was always so active and I had youth on my side, but I always had thicker thighs. That was just genetic. And I always wanted to have the legs like the ladies on the running magazines, right? Those beautiful toned legs. And after 30 years of running, I've done three full marathons and I'm over 55 half marathons now. I've never gotten those legs. It's just not going to happen. (laughs) Right. You know, I remember early on, I was having a conversation with Chad. I think we were shopping. We were early married. So I was in my early 20s and I was looking at clothes and I was like, I just want to look long and lean. And he's like, you're not going to. That's not my body's type, right? We're not going to have the body we we don't have. No, exactly. And and it's a horrible thing for your head when you you think that you can work towards it or if you could just be good or just not eat chips or just not eat sweets or whatever it is that if you just not do those things, then somehow you're going to magically get those legs. And I used, I remember running, like I've run probably a million miles by now. And I just thought if I could just ramp up my training a little bit, and just run a little bit more, I could probably get those really lean legs. And it, it's never happened. It's ever. not how you're built. Yeah. Like I will never have long legs. I didn't have a ballet dancer's body, no matter how much I stretched or how many splits I did or how many times I put my foot up on the bar. I didn't have that body and I wasn't going to. I know. And it's it's a hard thing to sort of wrap your head around. Yep. So, you know, I've always been active. And then just as I got older and certainly as I approached 50, things just started to creep on a little bit more. And then of course, COVID hit and we were all at home and eating and drinking and, you know, trying to console ourselves and comfort ourselves. (laughs) Nothing did that better than baking, did it? Oh, baking. Absolutely. And I love to bake. So yeah, lots of baking, lots of drinking, lots of sitting on the deck by yourself with your husband, you know, having a cocktail on a Tuesday at four o'clock. Exactly. (laughs) Four o'clock on a Tuesday. Exactly. You can make it to four o'clock. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then of course, menopause hit for me too. And then I just, I got on the scale one day and realized, holy Hannah, I am the same weight almost as when I was pregnant with our daughter. And that was a hard, a hard sort of reality. Do you want to share what that weight was or is it hard to say? Yeah. So I, my highest weight other than being pregnant was 147 and I am five foot two and a smidge. Okay. 
So yeah. And then when I was pregnant with Devin, I got to 152 and I only gained 17 pounds with her because I had the gestational diabetes and they were like, okay, you can only eat 10 grapes and three pierogies. Those things will ever forever stick in my mind. And I, 10 grapes were laid out, three pierogies. So I was very careful with what they told me I could eat. And so I didn't gain too, too much weight with her. And then she came early and, you know, she was okay. Yeah. That's yeah, so funny. So, three pierogies. Well, I three. three. That's magical. That's three. That's three. And 10 grapes, 10 grapes. Even now, actually, I had, I had grapes in my lunchtime yesterday. And I remember thinking, man, this is way more than 10, Michelle. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. That's so funny. The things that we do early on that really just stick with us, right? They, exactly. Yeah. I'll never forget 10 grapes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just realized at that point that I really needed to do something. And then backing up, I've I work out every day. I do something every day. I have a workout partner. Her name's Susan. And we do something every every morning, whether it's go for a run or do a weight workout or boxing or something. We do something every day. And she and I were both having that same struggle with right. know, COVID, menopause. menopause. Yeah. And we kept saying feeling fluffy. We just weren't feeling good in our body and not feeling good in our skin. And She's the one that said, I came across this, I think actually it was her husband who came across it and said, found this article, Dr. Jason Fung talks about fasting and she was telling me about it on a run and I can even see where we were, we're just over there coming up a hill. She was telling me about it. I'm like, that is crazy. And I'm not doing that. Like, that's just <laughs> stupid, right? I, like everybody that else. sounds miserable. It does. It sounds crazy. Like it does. It sounds like an eating disorder. It sounds like something where, you know, you don't eat. Of course, you're going to lose weight if you don't eat. It, make, it made no sense to me. And you know, of course, I grew up with that whole generation of breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And you know, you must eat breakfast and all that kind of thing. So I'm like, that sounds crazy. But she sent me an article and I read it. And I thought, well, that, okay, well, you know what, why don't we try it? So here's my book, right? I started my journal. Love it. Yeah, November the second, it was a Monday. There's my 147 pounds. So I keep track of everything I ate, all my exercise, a little motivational quote and some little notes that I kept for myself or whatever. And I do that every day, keep track of what I eat. I think that's a powerful practice just to journal something, your thoughts, your ideas, how the day went. You know, I had a lot of records when I was in the weight loss phase. Like I I had my little weird graph that I kept inside my medicine cabinet where I plotted the dot with a pen or whatever every single day and then connected the lines. And then I would make little notes along the side of like, if it was up, I would write why. That was really helpful to me. Definitely. And when, you know, as this kind of has gone on, I have found that sometimes I've gone back. Okay. I was losing at this point. What was I doing then that I'm not doing now? Right. So it's been super helpful. Yeah. You'll see like there's even notes. I've got a a sad face here and I've got hot flashes all night. (laughs) Hot flashes. Right. And then I've got it circled like, and I pointed to why I had vodka and orange juice. It says here at five o'clock. So it was the orange juice probably because I've found that sugar is definitely my enemy. So, okay, now I know it's sugar that will cause my hot flashes during the night. And so I try to limit it or whatever. But anyway, yes. Same with me though. Sugar cause, of course, you know, you've heard me say it causes restless legs. But when I was in the middle of going through menopause, it absolutely increased my hot flashes. I found that what I ate and when I ate it made such a difference with that. I mean, I didn't have terrible hot flashes, but when I did, it was usually something with sugar. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I could, it was, might have been horrific laying in bed with just rivers of water rolling down your body. It's crazy. Yeah, it's not at all. You have to like get up and change your clothes. Yeah, get up, change clothes, change the sheets all the time. And, you know, sadly it's like, get away from me. Don't look at me. Don't touch me. Get that leg off me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Closed for business. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like, don't even look at me. You're making me sweat. Yeah. (laughs) So, so being able to sort of track things like that has certainly helped. Because you can connect how you feel with what you've been doing. And that that's a really powerful thing. Not tracking like for the whole diet mindset thing, but for yourself to connect to the, you know, your feeling and your results and just like what's working and what doesn't. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we talk about intuitive eating. Well, how can you be intuitive if you don't know, you know, if for 50 years or probably not that long, 40 years, you know, you've been eating in a certain way and now you're eating in a different way. You need to figure out how you feel. And I've definitely learned I'm a a comfort eater. I eat bored. I eat when I'm sad. You know, I eat when I'm stressed, right? So there's lots of times I've written, okay, why did you break your fast at 10 o'clock? Well, it was because I was working on a particular project that I found very stressful or whatever. And I get in my head, I need to eat, I need to eat. And I get all kind of like anxious or whatever. And so then I eat. It's like, all right, fine, no big deal, right? So maybe I broke my fast early this day. Maybe I'll try to close my window a little bit earlier that maybe I won't. Now that what am I almost two years in, it's no big deal now. But at the beginning, you know, it was all sort of a learning process. It is very much a learning process. And we do realize how often we turn to food for reasons other than true hunger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's something you learn through this process. And for me, for journaling, it certainly helped. Yeah. Yeah, because food does soothe the brain. And for me, I always ask myself, you know, how am I going to feel in an hour? Am I going to be glad that I ate this? And yesterday I was I had family here for for a good bit of time. And yesterday I was like, well, I think I'll wait till three to open my window today. You know, thinking of what we had planned and that you know it was gonna be a little later night than usual. It's like I'll wait till three. But around two o'clock, I was legitimately hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just gonna go ahead and eat now. I'm not gonna I was like watching the clock, watching the clock. I'm like, why am I watching the clock? I just am gonna go ahead and eat because I needed to. But I just had a longer window yesterday and it was okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've been in maintenance for what, seven, eight years now? So yeah, since 2015. So yeah, it's been seven years. Yeah. So you, you know, you know, today's today and tomorrow's tomorrow and it balances out. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we started, Susan and I both started the intermittent fasting November 2nd. At that point, we weren't really sure what we were doing. Just, you know, we're kind of doing the, what was it? The 16, eight protocol and just trying not to eat, you know, after dinner type thing. And I lost weight. My birthday's in November and, you know, on Christmas. And I, that was the year I, I decided sugar cookies would be a super cool thing to, to learn how to make. And so I ate all the sugar cookies and still managed to lose five pounds in the first two months. So I was like, wow, well, that's good to lose weight over the Christmas season. That's, that's not too bad. Yeah. And then I found this super cool book, Fast Feast Repeat. And I see I wrote in here January 2021. So Within two months, I had picked up your book. I don't remember exactly how I found you, but I'm glad I found you. Yeah, so then I started reading it, and Susan and I just reminisced about it this morning as we were doing our workout. She's like, yeah, remember you were like, oh, guess what I learned? You have to clean fast. And so I already was. I was already doing black coffee, but Susan was not. And Uh she stressed about, you know, you're losing weight faster than I am. And found out, well, I'm okay. Well, what are you doing? Oh, well, I'm just, you know, putting some milk in my tea. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. That's yeah. You can't put milk in your tea. And so we finally kind of got the whole clean fast figured out. And so she picked up the book and then, you know, on our runs, we would share, you know, what we'd read. Oh, did you read this? And oh, did you read that? And learned all about 
insulin levels. And my biggest concern, of course, still worrying about not eating, yet we're both so active, running, half marathons, doing some kind of exercise every day. How can I fuel my body so that I can continue to do those things? So that was a bit of a learning curve. And on big run days, we'd make sure we eat a little bit extra the day before, maybe add a bit more carbon or whatever. But again, all just a a learning curve and we're still figuring it out. But We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So you haven't had any trouble doing what you needed to do in the fasted state? No, not at all. We always exercise first thing in the morning anyway. So that wasn't a problem for us. The only difference would have been on a half marathon or a marathon, we would have probably had half a bagel or some oatmeal or something like that beforehand. But because we started in November 2020, COVID happened, all of the organized runs had basically been shut down. So we were only doing our own runs. So, you know, you don't have the same pressure to to perform when you're just the two of you running around the neighborhood, right? You're not trying to get a time, you're just running. Yeah. So we haven't really had, I think we've done a couple of half marathons now, but yeah, we're fine. It's fine. We're so used to it now that it doesn't bother us at all. Your body knows what to do because you have built up that fasted fitness muscle, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I wouldn't try to do it on day one. (laughs) People who are brand new, let your body adjust first, build it up. But it's good to know that you can, because that really is something people do worry about. People, especially if they're, yes, runners, also people who are trying to build muscle, they worry if they're going to be able to do that, you know, because they've been so conditioned to think that you have to like eat protein right before, right after, and you just really don't. No, not at all. All that pre-workout, post-workout nonsense. Yeah. 
anyway, for me, it, it's not something that I need to do. I, like I said, I've been running for over 30 years. I, I, I could l- probably literally run in my sleep. <laughs> it's part of my, my DNA. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I'm not a runner. You know that about me, but I can't imagine running with a full stomach. Yeah, I've done that. I teach a run clinic here locally. It's the only time I exercise in the evening. It's on Wednesday nights and teach local people how to how to learn how to love running. And that's the only time that I'll have something in my stomach. But for the most part, the most we're running is 30 minutes. You know, we build up so I can manage that. But I can't imagine doing a, a big run with a full stomach. That would be, it would not be pleasant for anyone. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be pleasant for me. <laughs> no. No, you won't won't elaborate on what happens to runners when they've eaten too much. (laughs) Oh, okay. I can only imagine the digestive system is is not happy. Uh, Exactly. System's not happy. You're mentally figuring out where is there someplace we can stop along the way. You know, is there a McDonald's nearby or a gas station or something? A ditch. I don't know. (laughs) Again, there's those times where you go out with two socks and you come back with one. Um. (laughs) Oh, Goodness gracious. Okay, not going to be a runner. No. <laughs> that's rare, but that, yeah, yeah I can imagine. Yeah, that's definitely I have that written down as one of my non-scale victories is that if you're you know you're not eating all day long, you don't have to go all day long the next day, right? So it it kind of really does help with your schedule and keeping things more regular and main <laughs> so when you started, you were you were starting with 168 until January when you found Fast Feast Repeat. Did that cause you to change anything about your schedule? It did. Yeah, we went basically both Susan and I found that the 19.5 was kind of our sweet spot. And we sat there for quite a long time. We'd have lunch around one and have dinner done by six. And that was really very easy to maintain. I walk on most of my lunch hours. So I'd walk from 12 to one and then come back and eat my whatever lunch I'd brought. Tends to be yogurt with fruit and some crunchy things because otherwise yogurt (laughs) is so non-satisfying. It slides down, you don't even know you had something. So I, I like to add things, you know, coconut and pumpkin seeds and hemp hearts and things like that. Just have something to chew and feel like you actually ate something. So I tend to open my window with that around one. Maybe I have a snack midday, usually not though. And then dinner done by, by six o'clock and close up the window and all done. Yeah. And that actually, to me, sounds like a five hour one meal to me. Cause like uh, to me, a yogurt with some crunchy things is not like a full lunch. No, yeah, it's not a full lunch for sure. And it's the thing too, because I kind of missed that would be something I would like to have for breakfast. So I just had my breakfast at one, right? Instead of eight or seven or whatever time. Yeah. So we did that for the longest time. And then, you know, then you sort of plateau a little bit and then you decide, oh, well, let's try, you know, different things. So, Susan coined the phrase, I know you guys have the, what do you call it, mealless Monday. Yes. That all came from Roxy. Roxy, that's right. Yeah. Susan came up with windowless Wednesday. <laughs> so we did that for a while where, because we were, um, I was teaching run clinic and then Susan started to help me about two sessions ago with run clinic. So, you know, you're coming home from work and then zipping right back out again. It was easier just to not bother with trying to eat something right before running. So we did that for a little while. I tend now to just eat a little bit later in the day on Wednesday and it ends up being like a one meal a day, but you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. But that's not every day, every Wednesday either. It kind of fluctuates, depends on the the day and how I'm feeling. And some days I eat more, some days I eat less. I've done a couple of 
36 hours. I've done one 48 hour. And I, I saw in my notes earlier that did 48 hours and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes it's the mindset, right? I am not going to eat until is Tuesday morning. I'm not going to eat till Thursday morning, say. Once you made that decision, then it's fine. But when you're, mm, should I eat today? Shouldn't I eat today or whatever? Then that's where you go. You're right. It really is so true that when, you know, like yesterday when I'm sitting around staring at the clock thinking I'd like to wait till three, but it's two and I'm hungry now. So I went ahead and ate. Had I been super busy, I probably would have been able to go till whenever. But because I'm sitting around the house thinking about food and feeling a little hungry, But if I'd have been like, nope, we're going out at six, I'm busy now, I'm not going to eat, it would have been a piece of cake to not eat it too. So, so much of it is once you decide. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I I found though, too, with this walking on my lunch, coming back, I'm conditioned myself to eat at one. So on those days where I'm like, you know, I'm going to try and push it till two, I can't because I've already sort of set up that pattern that I eat at one when I come back. Right. Right. So that's a mental thing you kind of have to change. Yeah. Chad is very much in that. He he eats at 11. Then he he doesn't eat he again until <laughs> he closes his window. Then he eats again at five, five on the dot. But it, like if it's like 11.05, he's starting to get a little anxious. I'm like, I promise you're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? I mean, he's probably down there eating right now because we're recording this. It's 11.25. I'm sure he's already eaten. <laughs> yeah. But he is not going to wait five minutes. Yeah, it's, it's just a mindset, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. yeah, it's just like the people, when you talk to people about fasting, like, oh, I can never do that. Well, actually, you can. If you want to, you can. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying you could. <laughs> but people, they just, they get their mind, you know, set in a certain way, and it's hard to change it if they're not interested in changing. Well, if you tell yourself you can't, you can't. That's right. I tell them exactly that same thing with Run Clinic, right? We're going to go and we're going to run five minutes straight today. Oh, I can't do that. Well, then you'll be right. Yeah. If you think you can't, you can't. So I get, I got to change my thoughts about running. I can't. <laughs> I could. I could. But if you don't want to, then you don't have to, right? I don't want to. <laughs> I know you don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying water aerobics. We're doing that now. We've got that in the new neighborhood. I keep talking about that on the show. We were going to go this morning, but we woke, we slept at the beach house last night. And I was like, would you like to go for a beach walk instead? Because Chad went to water aerobics with me. We were going to go together. But instead, we walked on the beach. But I will never again make that trade-off because he's the slowest beach walker I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like I felt like I was walking with a two-year-old. Going like, I mean, not I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it was very slow. It was not like a brisk beach walk. No, it was an enjoyable stroll. It was a meander. Like last week, I walked with my sister-in-law. We did a beach walk. We walked a couple miles, and we walked back. And it was like brisk, and we're walking. Not with Chad. <laughs> we did a beach stroll. So. Yeah. Well, you hold hands, you make it romantic. It's all good. There you go. We picked up shells. We looked at things. We looked at houses. It was a fun try. I wouldn't have changed a thing. But it certainly did not give me any kind of exercise. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the body needs rest too, right? You can't exercise. You That's a hard thing for me is deciding to rest sometimes. But We'll do water aerobics tomorrow. Yeah. There you go. There's always tomorrow. There's <laughs> always tomorrow. No big deal. Exactly. So you've really just tweaked it as you went to find a rhythm that feels good to you. How much weight have you ended up losing? I lost 22 pounds. Well, I, I lost 24 pounds. I went, I slipped kind of under my so-called goal weight for a bit there. And then my husband was like, you're too skinny. That's the hard thing too, eh? Too skinny? Is there such, such a thing? Yeah. Too skinny? <laughs> 
<laughs> too skinny. Yeah. So 22 pounds got to my so-called goal weight, slipped under a little bit. Then you have to sort of be careful because then you're like, oh, well, I could, I'm under this weight now. And I, you know, so I got to 125. That was sort of my goal weight. I went to 123. My husband felt I was too skinny. So well, then, you know, when you're at, when you're five two, every pound makes a difference, right? Yeah, but you know, I'll share. I when I got married, I was twenty two. When I got married, I was one hundred and eight. Wow! Right. So I do have a small frame, and I was a tiny little thing. But there wasn't an ounce of muscle on me then, right? So my body now is there's a lot of muscle. I mean, there's a lot of thigh too, but there's a lot of muscle and I wouldn't want that 108 pound body back ever. You know, the one, 125 seems to be a good weight for me. Yeah. But well, body, body recomposition is real. When you have more muscle, you're, you're lean and strong and that's what we want. We don't want to be 108 pounds with no muscle mass as we go into our, our later years. That's asking for trouble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't have any desire to be, you know, anywhere near that ever again. But yeah, 125 is fine. I'm a little, I'm about three pounds up right now. We had a, a holiday in May and I was, I let things be a little bit looser and I gained a couple of pounds there. And yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like all my clothes still fit. It's not a matter of sometimes you're like, oh, that waistband's a little tighter than it <laughs> was before. I do a lot of sitting at work. So it's like, oh, that's a, that's a bit uncomfortable. And, you know, so just kind of close up the window a little bit, be a little bit more conscious of how many chips I'm eating. Right. <laughs> it's my it's my kryptonite chips. Here. Oh, me too. You know, that's true. You know, people who, people talk a lot about sugar. A lot of people struggle with sugar. That's just not what, not my struggle. No, no, mine's chips. And I, I love that repetitive motion. I can't read, sit and read a book very often. I have to be in the right mindset because that is when I really crave, you know, that you want to have that like like when people watch a movie and they're eating the popcorn oh, kind yeah. Of the, yeah 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 so yeah chips are what I struggle with so I have to and then I'll I'll not, I'll not buy them and then my husband will go and buy them <laughs> like, oh look what I got I bought all these like, oh, I got the kind you like the most yeah he did he bought the big he went to Costco and bought the big family size of my salt and vinegar chips so oh salt and vinegar that's a good flavor too that's best yeah it's very good <laughs> <laughs> Eat them till yeah. your mouth is raw. Oh yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, potato chips, especially like plain potato chips, not as much, but the flavored ones. Yes, especially if they're cheesy, as I've said, and that makes the biggest difference. And it really is a matter of if you can just not buy them, it's better. And also tell husband not to buy them. <laughs> yeah, we've been married thirty years. Telling husband, I don't know. <laughs> asking husband, asking yeah. nicely. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. but if he likes them too, I know that's hard because right, yeah. But you know, the the flip side of that is that you know I'm in so called maintenance. So if I you know if I want some chips, you can have some chips. I have some chips. Yeah, I'm working out and I'm conscious of the fact that I'm not going to sit and eat the entire bag of chips. I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. So I want some chips. I'll have some chips. Yeah, that's helpful and. I find if I'm not eating them out of the bag, yeah, it makes a difference. If the bag is there, I'm going to eat a whole lot more than if I just take some out of the bag and put the bag away. True. But you know what I have found is like whatever bowl that you've put them in, that's refillable. <laughs> so you could eat them out of the bowl. And, then and you go get some more. more. Right? That was well, I'm less likely to get more. 
I do like ice cream and I have found that too. It's like, you know, I'll just have a little bowl of ice cream. Second bowl of ice cream. Yeah. All right. That's it. <laughs> I'm pretty good once I once I serve it. It's just if I'm eating ice cream out of the container or eating chips out of the bag. Yeah. So when I say uh, sweets are not a problem, ice cream is the only one that is I know a that's little too. harder. I ice cream. Yeah. There's something about it. It goes down easy. Yeah, it does. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite ice cream? Oh, I like things with chunks in them, like Oreo cookie ice cream. I will not buy that because that one I'll eat the entire thing. Yeah, I think with chunks in it, I like that, you know, mint with chips in it or... That's what Chad likes. He started buying chocolate mint and I just eat a little bit of that and I'm okay. I don't need to just like keep eating it, but... That's, yeah, that's like my running partner, accountability partner, Susan. She can have like three M&Ms and then put them away. She's just... I could do that with M&Ms, Yeah. I could have zero M&Ms and be fine. I don't really like them that much. Oh, yeah. And I just, you know, I figure if you've opened the bag, yeah, right? So you may as well eat them. <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway, funny. Now people are listening and they're like, oh, that's it. I need some chips and I need some ice cream and I need some, some M&Ms. M&Ms. or not. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't need any of those things. No. And I really do find, though, when I open my window with something that is highly nutritious and satisfying, I'm less likely to wander back around the kitchen and go for the junk. Yeah. That's something I learned. So for the first, not like first while, but in say maybe like four months in, five months in or whatever, I tried doing like OMAD on Fridays. I thought, okay, we have a meeting kind of over the lunch hour on Fridays. So that easy to not eat lunch on Fridays and I'll go straight through and just have dinner on Fridays. But that, you know, that's, that'll be a great kick off the weekend. I know I'm going to probably be a little bit more lax on the weekend. So that's a great idea, except Friday nights, come home, you want to sit and have a glass of wine or, or a cocktail or something like that. And I found I was opening my window with alcohol. I'm like, this is not a good idea because not only does it go to your head way faster, but it, loosens up those inhibitions as far as what am I going to eat? And then you'd be starting with a glass of wine, then you're eating the chips, and then you're eating the ice cream. And then, oh, do you want dinner? Ah, let's just have some cheese and crackers. And you've gone all day, and then you've opened your window with crap. And I think that that's very good for your body either. So stopped doing that on on Fridays. <laughs> stopped. Yeah, so you, you stopped waiting till you got home. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I didn't stop having the glass of wine on Fridays when I got home. I just made sure I had food in my stomach prior. <laughs> well, that I'll be honest with you. That's one reason why yesterday I went ahead and I was like, I'm just going to open now because I was hungry. and But I knew we were going to have a big night. So, and you know, I was going to, I was drinking champagne on the beach, which is very worthwhile. I would suggest it to anyone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 it was fabulous. And, but you know, I wanted to make sure I'd had, I didn't want to wait till I got there and then open with champagne because that just really doesn't work very well. But you're exactly right about the inhibition. So for anyone who's listening, I know you might not want to hear it, but if you're struggling with weight loss and you're having a lot of wine, that could really be, that could be the thing because I ate, ate a lot more like, or I do. I know when I have more wine, it's going to have more food too. And, you know, your body has to process the alcohol first and, you know, I've really found a difference the next day as well. Like right now, my stomach's growling a little bit. Telling all of this talking about food, my stomach's like, we could eat right now, but I'm of course not going to. No. 
Yeah. Today I will wait. Yeah. And those are, you know, you do those little things that kind of trick yourself, right? It's like, oh, oh, you're burning fat. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, there you job. go. There you go. We're switching, flipping that metabolic switch. We're lowering those glycogen stores. That's actually probably true. Right. And it's 11 o'clock. So doesn't that mean your body's doing that? Your liver's dumping glycogen. Dumping that glycogen. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. I wrote that down after listening to one of the podcasts. I don't remember which one it was, but 11 o'clock is when your body's dumping glycogen. And then around four is when your body's needing that dopamine hit. So come home and snuggle your cat or go for a walk or do something else enjoyable that doesn't involve potato chips, Michelle. Right. That's <laughs> right? important. So, yeah. yeah so these, these little things that you kind of pick up and, and you kind of have to remind yourself, oh, you know, you're not hungry. It's You're just dumping glycogen. So. Yep. Or if people, you know, like, like for example, if, if I were a new faster and I'm feeling this feeling this morning, I might think, gosh, fasting is really hard. I just can't make it past, you know, what is it? It's 1137. I can't make it past 1137. I get too hungry. But the thing is, is that it passes. It does. Yeah. If I always ate the minute I felt the first twinge of hunger of the day, I would not be able to fast. Right. Yeah. And then you're thinking about, or I think about the fact that I'm losing out on that fat burning time. Right. So yeah, you can eat. There's nothing saying you can't. You can eat at 11. But if I'm going to do this, I want to optimize the the benefits, which means holding off a little bit, letting my body, you know, burn off a little bit of that fat. Yeah. There's that graph. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a graph that came from a research study where they were seeing what happened over, over the period of time with fasting. And it showed that fat burning really ramps up between hours 18 to 24. Like there's a graph that shows how much fat you're burning. And then it just, at 18, it just goes bloop. And now, of course, that is that is not like a every person is actually ramping up at 18. You know, it's going to depend on, you know, what you ate the day before, all sorts of things, how active you are. But just as a rule of thumb, the 18 to 24 in that period of time, fat burning escalates. Like it's it's going faster. You're burning more. So just keeping that in mind, that's why, you know, 19 to 20 hour daily fast, you know, if you can do 20 hours a day, you're having at least a couple of hours in that prime fat burning time. And I find my body does a little whining right before it flips that switch, you know? Yeah. It just, yeah, it wants you to know that it's working hard. <laughs> or it's like, you know, I don't really feel like doing that today. How about just give me some food? Because, you know, your body's, not that your body's lazy, but it's efficient. <laughs> it wants to take that easy way. Yeah. And then, you know, you just got those old voices in your head too, right? We haven't had breakfast and you deserve a treat and, you know, all those sorts of crazy voices that we listen to. Oh, you'll feel better if you just have some chips. <laughs> <laughs> but you, well, you won't. That's that's what I've learned exactly. over and over. Right? It's that toddler brain that lies to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like your comment earlier where you said that, you know, you ask yourself, how am I going to feel in an hour? And I'll do that sort of thing too, right? But I will respond to myself like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how I'm going to feel in an hour. I want it now. Right. right. That, there's that toddler brain there. The toddler brain wants it now and is not good at that delayed gratification. You know, they what was that study they did with, with little children and the M&M or the marshmallow? Was it a marshmallow? Oh, right. Yeah. The You can have one now or you can have two later. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take the one now. Yeah. See, I would, I would wait for two. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would have been able to wait. I feel like I would have been able to wait for two. I don't know. <laughs> I definitely couldn't now because like, that's really the whole premise of what we're doing, right? We're we're delaying 
for later. And, and that's, that's, you know, that really works well for my brain. Yeah. I can have the chips at four o'clock, just not now. <laughs> I have my little cat has decided to come see what's going on. <laughs> oh, I can't see your cat. But the other day I was recording, I think I was recording life lessons with Sherry and my cat, I have this third floor office and one of our cats, Ringo is a little, he's a scaredy cat and he's old and hides. And he was, he's been hiding behind my little, I have like a little desk area over on the other side of the room. And I didn't even realize he was in here, but I was recording and he came over and started patting my leg with his little paw. It was so sweet. So I picked him up and held him while I was recording and he, he liked that. But <laughs> she's like, what are you doing in here? Yeah. She's like, who are you talking to, mom? That's probably what he was doing. He's like, why are you just talking to, are you talking to me? <laughs> I can hear you talking. <laughs> That's funny. So has your taste in food changed at all? Well, I'd love to be able to say that I no longer eat potato chips, but that's that would be 100% of a lie. No, not really. I've always eaten quite well, you know, as, as a runner, you know, I, I've, I've just always thought I need to fuel my body and, and always kind of been conscious of eating healthy or nutritious or whatever. I don't eat fried foods and I don't eat fast food or processed food very often. So I wouldn't say so. I mean, I know Brussels sprouts are a fun thing now, but they were always fun. <laughs> so you've always had had the good the good healthy eating yeah, habits. Yeah, yeah, it was just I would eat healthy. It was just the things that I would eat as my snacks were often not so nutritious, like chips. Yeah, and the beauty of intermittent fasting is we just have those fewer opportunities for those. That's right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's where the the guilt free comes in. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, all through my journals here, whatever, it's, you know, ate well all day or whatever. And then at dinner time, had a glass of wine and we had maybe some ice cream afterwards or whatever, and have been able to maintain the weight still with that with practice. With so, that freedom and flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. So it is definitely a, a good thing. I know Susan and I were talking about it. We haven't got to that point where we don't think about food anymore. Like still do think about food and think about, all right, what am I going to open my window? I think about food. I don't know if there's a point where you don't think about food. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there's been a couple of people like, oh, I don't even think about food anymore. (laughs) How, how is that possible? (laughs) Or I remember hearing, you know, way prior to doing intermittent fasting where people like, I was just so busy. I forgot to eat. Well, I do that. That I do. If I'm really busy, I will. (laughs) I have never been so busy that I have forgotten to eat. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like I've literally been irritated that I had to stop what I was doing and like, prepare a meal. Oh, yeah. I, Especially I, when we're like moving and and I have a lot to do and I'm looking up and it's like six o'clock and I'm like in the, on a roll and I'm like, darn it, I got to stop and <laughs> cook, cook a meal. Yeah. Cook a meal. There's been times I've been too busy to eat, but I've never forgotten to eat. Like food is a really great thing. <laughs> I do love food. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And that's why intermittent fasting works so well. It does. It, it is absolutely. And, you know, from from thinking it was the craziest, most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard to where we're at, you know, almost two years in. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It, I don't know how we didn't come up with this sooner, Jen. Yep. So do you share it with other people in your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have a an Instagram account called, so my last name is Vecchio, and I have a friend that used to call me Vex. So I have this Instagram called Inspired by Vex, and I post motivational exercises or something like something to get you moving for the week or whatever on there every week. And I shared my intermittent fasting story. I think it was like May, June, July, something like that. So about eight or nine months in with some before and after pictures, and then just sort of kind of told my story. 
So I put that out there and then I have a run group separate from the run clinic that I teach on Wednesday nights. I have a running group of friends. And so we've shared with all of them. Yeah, I've got quite a few different friends that I've shared with who have either adopted it or tried it. Yeah, it's something I talk about a lot of times. Plus with like clinic being canceled during COVID or whatever, people didn't see me for a while. And then I came back to clinics being reopened and they're like, holy, look at you. Wow, you look great. What have you been doing? And so I've had quite a few of those. I mean, I know you're not supposed to compliment people on their appearances, but it still does happen. <laughs> so people I don't are- know. I know that people are, are touchy about that, but yeah. I've never minded someone saying you look great. Yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm- it's all about what you tell yourself in your head. Like the only reason I would be upset is if I was like, does that mean you thought I looked awful? But I mean, I, don't, I did look awful when I was 210 pounds, but to myself, but yeah. And I don't think I, I mean, cause I continue to do all of the exercise or whatever, but you just see some of the pictures of you know, Susan and I take a lot of selfies on our runs and things like that because we're always sharing it on the, the Instagram about, you know, this was our run and just trying to inspire people to also be active and get out and enjoy. You know, we live in a beautiful part of the world and so get out and enjoy whether it's a walk or a run or whatever. And you just, you're, you look healthy. You know, I think that's the difference when you look at pictures of me at 210 pounds. I had so much inflammation. I didn't feel good. And it showed in my face. And I, I wasn't looking my healthy. Like, I think I look younger now than I did then. And so I think people, if you don't like being complimented, take it as, a, as you know, someone is saying, you look healthy, you look good. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with someone. Me too. Right. (laughs) So there's some pictures that we took. It was, I think it was October of 2020, right before we started. And I mean, both of us look uncomfortable in our skin. Right. You can see us kind of trying to hold it in as we're taking the picture. And, and that's one of the pictures that just looks so uncomfortable in my own skin. And I brought this so I could show you, I have this picture of me. Oh, wow. You see, I look, yep. 
happy. I'm smiling. I love the picture. I framed it. It's in my living room, but I, there's so much more of me in that picture. Right. <laughs> right. Her. And your, pa- your face was a lot puffier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And my arm, like my arm just looks so much. So larger. different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. We deserve to feel good in our skin. And I think that's the important thing. You know, we're, we all want to feel good in our bodies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And no one else can tell you how you're going to feel good in your body, right? It's your own thing. And even when Mike was saying to me that, you know, you're looking too thin, I was like, all right, well, I feel good. Am I too thin? You know, and you have to kind of work that out in your own head. Yeah, I, I went through that. You've probably heard me talk about that with Chad. When I first got down to my first goal of 135, and that was my initial goal, and I got there and he said, don't lose anymore. You look too thin. And then I, I did lose more over the years, and he no longer thinks I look too thin, even though I'm leaner than I had been then. But I think it was just such a shock. Yeah, I lost the weight. I went from 147 to 125 in from November to July. Mm-hmm. So that was fairly quick. It was pretty quick. Seven months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was pretty quick. But so, so probably like sometimes people, it takes a while for them to catch up to the new you. Someone that you love, especially a spouse, might say you look too thin when really it's just that their brain hadn't gotten used to the new you because it's such a dramatic difference. Yeah. And then interesting too, because Susan and I have both talked about it, that when we looked in the mirror, I still saw the 147 pound body. I wasn't really seeing, like I was seeing it, but almost as if it was someone else's body. So it took a little while for even my own brain to kind of correlate between the old body and the new body and the old clothes and the new clothes. And it took a little bit of time. And then now I don't feel that I look real thin anymore, yet I'm still in the clothes that I, the new clothes that I bought. All the new clothes still fit, yet I feel, I don't feel too thin at all. You've so. caught up with it. Yeah, I think I so. I do remember I felt so thin. <laughs> it's true. After being 210 pounds and then getting down, you know, to wearing a size two and it felt crazy. And those clothes were so tiny. Like I remember these jeans that I, I still have. I just wore them. We had like a, I went to an event. It was a 1970s summer camp theme. So I had to find this outfit. But I had these jeans from, they're like, I don't know, boot cut. So they had that little flare kind of a thing that I had saved. They were size six from the gap from like the early 2000s, you know. And so vanity sizing is really different now. But I remember saving those jeans and they looked so little bitty. And I'm like, how did my body fit in these little tiny jeans? And now I put them on and they're, they're a little, little big, but they don't feel tiny at all. But you have to catch up to the, like everything. Like, don't you remember buying those clothes and thinking they looked so little? How are these going to fit my body? Totally. I, I can see last summer I was standing in a store and they, I love the word clearance. I love clearance. That's my favorite word. And I saw these white jeans. I already had two pair of white jeans, but they were on clearance, right? I think they were on 99 or something like that. And I picked them up and I held them up and I was like, oh yeah, no way. These are so, so tiny. And I turned to my husband, I'm like, do you think these would fit me? He's like, oh yeah. Like, really? Are you sure? I'm trying to hold them up or whatever. And anyway, I brought them home and yeah, they were fine. And I don't know, like size two or something like that. And I know the sizing is ridiculous. Like I think I in my story to you initially is that, you know, I have stuff in my closet now that's from zero or extra small all the way to eight. A lot of my eights I was able to donate or give away, but some of my stuff still fits. So from zero to eight, like it's so anybody who thinks, oh, I just want to get to a size six. Well, that's a crazy thing to have as a goal because a size six in one store, 
versus a size six in another store, two entirely different things. Absolutely. So- yeah, I went shopping a, a couple weeks ago. We have one good thing about living here at the beach. There's a couple of really great outlet malls, really good ones. You know, they can be a hit or miss, but there's some really good ones. And so I was doing some shopping and from store to store that day, it was just crazy. I'm like, all right, I'm a zero. I'm an extra small. I'm a four. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a medium. I mean, it was, it's just, it's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just, can't get attached. No. Like no, I can't not. buy that. It's a medium. I mean, well, if it fits, you buy it. Right. Exactly. If you like it and if it's going to fit you, then yeah, what does it matter? No one's going to be checking the tags on your clothes, right? You can cut that tag right out if you don't like what it says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then if you, know, if you have one that happens to say zero, then yeah, you can take that out. In fact, I think a couple of times when I did buy, I cut the the tags off and I put them in my journal. Hey, I got down to a size, whatever, you know, and I put the tag out and taped it in my journal. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, the fact that I still have those jeans that were a size six and they fit me a little loose, but still that just shows you how much times have changed. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And my wedding dress was like a, I think a 12. And I think it would probably be equivalent to an eight now, but it's just funny how, how much, and because I got married in 1991. Yeah, same with us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so is there anything that you struggle with? Well, definitely the maintenance thing was a hard thing with just trying to, I still want to fast, but I don't want to lose more weight. So maybe I should have, you know, I should eat more or, you know, maybe I should have more snacks or more treats or something like that. So I struggled with that for a while, but I, I think I'm over it. I think I've kind of just settled into a pretty good pattern. Do you find that you just listen to your body and your body lets you know when you need to eat more? For sure. Yeah, definitely. I think, what day is it today? Tuesday? Oh, it was one day last week or whatever. I think I opened my window at 9.30. It was one of those days I was stressed about something. I was hungry. I wasn't hungry. I was wanting to eat. So I did, right? So 9.30. And then I think probably didn't finish until 6 o'clock or something like that. So what is that? That's, Susan and I will laugh about that sometimes. Oh, I'm I'm doing the, the newfangled 17.7 or the, <laughs> you know, well, laugh about it or whatever. You needed an update. Sometimes your body just tells you. And sometimes it might be physical, but sometimes it might be emotional. Yeah. Mostly it's emotional for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's okay too. Because if we start getting into the feeling of deprivation every day, if it starts to feel a lot of can't, I can't, I can't, then you're like, yes, I can. I can. You just need to say, yes, I can this day. And then then maybe by the end of the day, you're like, I just don't feel as great as I thought I would have. Oh, for sure. And definitely can, on, but yeah. those days where I give in to those sort of things where I'm like, you know, how am I going to feel an hour? I don't care. I always end up caring. <laughs> I always end up thinking, ah, oh, why did I do that? You know, that's not fueling my body eating chips or ice cream or, or whatever. So I just try to be really conscious about what is going to fuel my body so that I can stay active. Because that's the thing for me, activity and physical exercise is my mental Keeps you sane. Yeah, it keeps me sane. I always say it keeps me out of the orange jumpsuit, right? Yep, yep, that's important. So you went through menopause, the whole transition as an intermittent faster. Yes, yeah. Who knows what it would have been like otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but you're on the other side now? I am fully 100% the other side, yeah. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It feels good. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. Well, I did the same thing. You know, it's impossible to say how it would have been had we not been doing intermittent fasting, but I really feel like it made such a positive difference in the transition. But you feel the same way? I think so too. And and then again, because of the journaling or whatever, I could identify where the issues were happening. You know, I, if I have a glass of wine within half an hour, I'm feeling flushed. I'm hot. 
And, you know, I realized, of course, that wine is, I don't know, what, 100% sugar, 95%? Well, it's it's not sugar. It's the alcohol. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, I mean, alcohol is zero sugar. Alcohol itself is not sugar. Now, when I say that, wine depends on the wine. Some wine also has a high sugar content, separate from the alcohol, if they add it in there. But alcohol is what your body burns first. So, like, if I'm having dry farm wines, their wine is zero sugar, but it still has a lot of alcohol. I mean, not a lot of alcohol. They have lower alcohol than, like, some wines do, but it's still a lot of alcohol, (laughs) even though it's lower alcohol. And so, your body has to burn that. And so, it's like, you know, if you throw straight alcohol on a fire, it, it like, flares it up, right? he flared up. <laughs> it flares us up. So that's what that's what it is. But yeah. yeah. And it's uncomfortable. And it, you know, yeah. So you just kind of learn to moderate those things. Yep. I always sleep really hot. Like last night after having the the wine, the champagne on the beach, I did sleep really hot. And a little more tossing and turning. So tonight I will have none and I will sleep better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just being able to recognize that is a good thing. It is. And know that feeling good. I mean, we're not always going to make the choice that makes us feel our best. Right. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Human nature. Exactly. But knowing that, you know, I can feel better tomorrow (laughs) is always a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what are some of the most important lessons you've learned along the way? Well, it does take some discipline and some mental fortitude. So, you know, you learn that you can be in control of your body, not your body in control of you. So that to me was a really good thing because we did most of this during COVID. The world was going crazy around us, but yet we were intermittent fasting and still exercising. We were able to still run outside and meet outside for outside workouts and things like that. So, you know, we were able to continue with that, which was good. But that little bit of control in a world that seemed like it was going out of control, or there were so many things that we were being told we could or couldn't do, and and yet we were still thriving. So that that was a good thing. I love the way you said that. The way you said it does take some discipline because that's important, and you have to find that within yourself. No one can find that for you. There's no magical trick. You have to delay. You have to do it, and you have to push through a hard moment. Not every day, you know. We talked about that. Some days you won't push through that hard moment. But you have to do it more than not. That's the secret. You know, actually, this morning I was in the community and someone posted something that was pretty thought provoking. And I was like, you know, we fast, we feast, we repeat. And I've always said the magic is in the clean fast, and it, it very much is. But the magic really is in the repeat the fact that you just keep doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can't just do it one day. You got to keep at it. And it's a lifestyle, right? And Susan and I decided that right at the beginning. This is a lifestyle. It's not a diet. We're not going to get to a point where we're, okay, well, we don't do this anymore. It's something we're always going to do. And whenever I talk to somebody, I'm like, we all fast every day anyway. Everybody fasts while they're sleeping. Nobody's feasting while they're sleeping. So it's just a matter of when you break your fast and with what you break it with. And so I can go to one o'clock, maybe, you know, the other person can only go to 11 or whatever time. That's all still good. It's all is giving your body that break that it needs. Exactly. And, you know, every hour that you're fast and clean is doing something great for your body. Exactly. Yeah. All kinds of things going on in there that we don't even know. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> that true. Has nothing to do with the scale whatsoever. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, for me, I think that the key was having an accountability partner, right? Susan and I did this whole thing together. We still do it together. We 
talk about it every day as far as what we're struggling with, where we're feeling victorious. So just having that person you can share it with is really, really important. And, you know, she's my accountability partner when it comes to exercise too. On those days, you don't feel like going for a run. She's there waiting for me, you know, on the corner of this street and that. So off we go. So having that accountability partner really makes a difference. I think that's huge. And for anybody who's feeling alone, that is one reason why the community is so important. The Delight Not Denied community, if you go to jenstevens.com slash community, you can find information about it there. But we can be your virtual accountability partners. Sometimes people are surprised. They'll join and then they'll type something up and, you know, post it. And then I'll reply. And they're like, oh, my God, you're replying. I'm like, yeah. Here every day. Yeah, exactly. yeah that, that makes a huge difference for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, that's I love being in that community, and and it really does help to have people around you. You, you've got Susan, but not everybody has a Susan. So we'll we'll be your Susan. Everybody needs a Susan. True. <laughs> it's really nice when you have a friend that'll do something like that with you. Oh yeah, definitely. And we've been able to you know boost each other up and. And then talk share each it. other down when you're having the struggles. That's the thing. Because not every day is going to be, you know, a great successful day. But you're probably not going to both have a bad day at the same time. Nope, definitely not. Yeah, and we've been able to share, you know. And then with holidays and how's it going to work? Because you know, of course, we didn't have any holidays for two years, and all of a sudden, people are starting to have right. holidays. How is that going to work? And we're like, well, just you know, you've got the framework. If you can fast, great. If it's a day where you're going to go wine tasting or something, make sure you have something in your stomach first. And, you know, we just talk it out with each other. Go with the flow. Well, Michelle, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. It's been a ton of fun. (laughs) Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.